Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, good morning, everybody. Somebody's got faith. You've turned up. Some of the leaders thought nobody had turned up. I said, well, we'll sit around a table, have a cup of coffee and talk about the Bible. So we don't waste the time. It's so good, everybody online. Good morning this morning. There's a lot of people online. Uh, I do feel part of the family here. It's a a privilege to be able to come and share. Uh, Pastor Joe rang me and said, look, I've got COVID and most of the leadership team's got COVID. So the church that I serve at some Sunday mornings uh, invited me uh, to share today. They were able to change things so I could be here. So uh, it's a pleasure and an honour. You know, the year was 1994. We just started leading a church and I didn't know what I was doing. I was happy scared. I was happy that God had called us. I was scared because I didn't know what to do. Well, you know, 25, 30 years later, I still don't know what to do, but God does. And I was at a conference at the Thibodin Town Theatre And the power of God was moving. People were being touched by God. And I found myself falling on the ground on the front row of that conference. And it was like a fire of God began to burn within me. It wasn't a a physical thing and it wasn't heartburn. It was just something supernatural. And uh, that still small voice that's very loud in my head said, Build according to the pattern. Build according to the pattern. I went home that night. My wife had gone to Brisbane to a children's conference. I was on my own and at two o'clock in the morning, I sat up in bed and I said, God, I don't know what the pattern is. What's the pattern? I, I journal every day. And so my journaling the next morning was in Hebrews chapter eight, where God commanded Moses to build everything according to the pattern. He gave him on the mountain the next morning, chapter nine. I'm going, God, I still don't know what the pattern is. And I saw the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and you know the story, and uh, you know the Ten Commandments and the manna from heaven. And he said, I want you to believe me for supernatural supply, manna. I want you to believe me for supernatural selection. Choose the people that are called by me, not just out of talent, but out of a heart to serve me. And the Ten Commandments was like the culture, the values. From that day till today, the patterns never stop coming. Every time I read the Bible in my devotional time, I see patterns. I was preaching in Sydney before COVID took place. And I was about to get up and preach in a fairly large church in Sydney. And the pastor standing next to me said to me, Ezekiel 37, that's all I'm telling you. I got up and preached, came back home, and a journey began in my heart out of Ezekiel chapter 37. So today I want to speak to you on three stages that we go through as individuals, but also as the church as a whole, called Bones, Stones, and Thrones. I want you to have a look at the screen. I won't read the scripture, you can watch it, and then I'll come back. The hand of the Lord was upon me. 
he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. I thought that was better than reading it. God is an expert at taking dead things and bringing them back to life. If we didn't believe that, we would be really uh, affected right now with what's happening around the world, what's happening around us. But a lot of the time when we think about shakings, we think of stuff that's happening around us. But you know, God never shakes to hurt us. The shakings of God are to grow us internally, not what happens externally. And I'm not trying to be arrogant in saying this, but with all that is happening and all that as a family we've been through and others have been through worse than us, so I'm not being self-serving. I'm so glad that there are unshakables on the inside that cannot be changed by circumstances. Last night we celebrated my granddaughter's 18th birthday. She had her best friends there, but her dad wasn't there. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this beautiful young lady that she's become and loves Jesus. And I'm thinking, I wish your dad was here. I wish he could see. People that hadn't seen the kids for a while would walk in and look at my grandsons and go, oh, we know who he, they remind us of. And you think there's a joy in that, but there's a pain in that. And you live with those contrasts inside of you. So how do we go through life because we don't go through life unscathed and still stay strong and unshakable. Now, it's interesting that the very first line of that chapter, Ezekiel 37, says, And the Lord took hold of me. And the Lord took hold of me. What saddens me in the church at large right now is that everything but the Lord is getting hold of us. The voice of reason, you know, the voice of fear, the voice of anxiety, stress, discouragement, disappointment gets hold of us. But Ezekiel 37 starts with, the Lord took hold of me. Now, Ezekiel had to do some pretty tough work. If you go back to chapter 1 of Ezekiel, God calls him to do a very difficult task. But I'm glad that 37 chapters later in the book of Ezekiel, he's still letting God take hold of him. It's not how we start. It's not how we do the middle, 
but it's how we finish that really matters. And I've discovered that can't be done by just going to church. As I've said here many times, it's done by our personal walk with Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, who do people say that I am? Interesting, the other disciples didn't respond. But Peter says, you are the Christ. And he goes, now that you've seen my deity, who I am, I'll give you your identity. Our identity is not found in what happens around us, not in who we are, but whose we are. And you know, when that happens and we have our identity found in him, he gives us destiny. Hey, Peter, you're going to build my church. He doesn't just give us destiny, he gives us authority. The gates of hell won't prevail. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound. You have victory. What a way to live if we know deity. We know our identity. We have destiny. I've shared this before here. And then we have authority and we have victory. Doesn't matter what happens around us. In a moment, I'll mention shakings because God's been speaking to me about shakings. And I was praying for this morning in my back room and there was that little earthquake. My wife jumped out of bed and she said, was that somebody hitting our house or, you know, were the neighbours getting a bit rowdy or what? And, and there's a little crack in one of our back rooms and in our back room and, and she goes, I think that's larger now. I said, I'm not sure. My eyes are not good. But I'm sitting there and think we can be affected by the shakings around us. But without being arrogant, every one of us that knows Jesus, we can be immovable on the inside, knowing that our God reigns in the good and the bad in every circumstance. And the Lord took hold of me. I don't know where I'd be today if I didn't daily go before him. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you right now. Number two in this passage of scripture, it says he carried me away. You know, when God gets hold of us, he shifts us. See, God will shift to sift, to lift. God will sift things out of us that are not necessary for us to carry. Burdens, pains, disappointments. I'm dealing with so many marriage breakups at the moment in my life coaching and unforgiveness, all those things. But you know what? When the Lord takes hold of us, I've seen a miracle with a couple in the last couple of weeks that we got to this point the Lord got hold of them and now we're seeing a coming back of the marriage it's just amazing it just makes what I do really really exciting sadly it doesn't happen as often as it should he carried me away when God gets hold of us he shifts us from where we are God's forever shifting us to grow us and to make us people that are resilient in what we're going through. When God takes hold of us, he repositions us, he shifts us so we can go and address the dead things and the dead spaces in our lives. I don't know about you, but I found that when God shifts, he lifts, as I said earlier. And with me, I'm 65 and I still feel the shift. I still, I, I think I've just got there. I think I'm a lot more patient than I used to be. And then sometimes in traffic, I feel the road rage coming. And I go, oh, I think he's got to do a bit more sifting, a little bit more shifting, you know. I'm not there yet. But the third thing in this passage of Scripture, before we go to bone, stones and thrones, from this Scripture, 
is the third thing is he takes us to hidden potential. God doesn't take us to places that are already made, looking fantastic. He takes us to hidden potential. And the dead things in our lives are places of hidden potential. He takes Ezekiel to a valley where there's a revival. No. He doesn't take them to a great move of God. He takes him to a valley of dead bones. And you know what? God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's response. Who knows? Only you, God, you know if these bones can live. And you know what God says? I'll breathe and you prophesy. Sometimes we want to prophesy over things God's not breathing on. But he goes, I'll breathe on these dead bones and you prophesy and they'll stand up a great army. I'm not being facetious in saying this. I think the greatest days for the church are ahead of us. I really think when Jesus said, I'm coming back for a beautiful bride, he's not coming back for a bride that's got holes in her wedding dress. He's not coming back for a bride that's got her lipstick running. He's not coming back for a bride that hasn't done her hair. He's coming back for a beautiful bride. Maybe under our wedding dress, we've got battle boots on, but I'll tell you, we're going to war, but he's already breathing. And when we prophesy into what he's breathing, Powerful things happen. In the midst of this whole pandemic, I'm leading more people to Christ than I can remember. People are hungry for Christ. So let's go to these three stages. Bones, stones and thrones. Now bones speaks to me, and I think it'll make sense, of the stage we go through where we feel dry and we feel like everything's dead around us. I don't know if you've been through those stages, but I have. There's times when I served Jesus because I was obedient. But the feelings weren't there. It's amazing all the plan B's the devil brings up when you're not feeling it. You know how many people are leaving church today because they're not feeling it? It's not about feeling it. It's about obedience. And bones is that place in our lives where we feel like we're a nobody. I mean, you don't go to a valley of dead bones and go, oh, I remember him. He looks just like his father. He's not as tall as I thought he was. Dead bones are dead bones. They're all the same. There's no identity there. And God is such an expert at going to the dead places in our lives, the places of discouragement, the places where we feel brittle. These were dry and brittle bones. It's the place of reviving and refreshing. Reviving and refreshing is what I saw in this stage called bones. There's a lot of dead religion out there right now, pretending to be alive, but at best it's dry, at worst it's dead. And we don't need more religion. But boy, we need the reality of Jesus. He wants to breathe again on his church. This doesn't just happen in our lives individually. It happens overall in the church world as a whole. And there are churches, I call them, the Lord, I believe, showed me there are three types of churches alive right now. There are traditional churches that are more interested in tradition than they are in truth. But then we've got trendy churches. And sometimes we think trendy churches are better. But if trendy churches are not birthed in truth-honouring churches, and I believe God is raising truth-honouring churches that have godly traditions and they are trendy because they're up to date with what God's doing and saying and we're relevant to a broken community. 
And I believe God is about to continue this work. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Now repent of your sins, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Times of refreshment. I went and had a look this week at that word refreshment in the original language and it means to breathe. It's the same thing to breathe. Just like God refreshed those dead bones. He does that to our lives. And I'm telling you, there are times when, can I be brutally open with you? There are times I find praying really hard. Because I don't want to pray religious prayers. Oh, Lord, feed the hungry. And you feel like God's saying, shut up, you do it. Stop praying, get out there and do it. Sometimes we ask God to do stuff he's asked us to do. And we have these religious prayers. My dad lives with me right now and you should see the prayers around dinner time. Dinner goes cold. But we're asking God to feed everybody in the world that doesn't have the food we're about to eat. And I'm thinking, how's God going to do that? And sometimes we have this religiosity where we're praying prayers that are sermonettes for everybody in the room to hear. And it's like God going, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know there were starving children in the world. And I find it hard to pray. I've been saying lately, you know, three of my friends have just died of cancer. One of my friends, Pastor Donovan Kutsi, the leader of the ACC or the AOG in South Africa. We've travelled the world together. He got the same cancer I got. Praying for him every day. Get up early in the morning weeping because we have so many memories together. But he didn't make it. And it's not like I'm upset about my prayers not being heard. I just want to be diligent and say, God, help me pray so that I can be a strength that's legit. And I remember praying with my friend Donovan only a couple of weeks before he passed. And he says, Danny, I think I'm going home to be with Jesus. So I didn't pray for God to heal him. And you might think that's strange, but I prayed for God's ability to come on him and refresh him and get him ready for whatever God had for him in eternity. And we rejoiced together. He was ready to go. We had his funeral last Wednesday night online from South Africa and he was celebrated all over the world. And the last words we spoke together was, you know, we know where we're going. We know where whose we are. We know what's going on. And I'm thinking, what an incredible posture to have a, you know, the guys in the fiery furnace, God can deliver us and he will, but if not, Where's the but if not faith? God, I'd love you. I now pray for people and say, God, you know what I'd like? I don't want them to die. I want them to live. I believe you can, Lord. I really believe. But I also believe you're the sovereign God of the universe. And I surrender to you, you know. And so God is refreshing and reviving the church. If we can just bow our heads right now. I just feel the Holy Spirit wants me to pray. Hallelujah. I can feel it right now in the room. And those online watching today sitting in your lounge room right now you're going through a dry patch you're feeling brittle you're feeling you could break really easy and you pray you you, you say I would love that refreshing right now I'd love that reviving because I feel like dead bones and in the room here today if you're feeling like that while every head's bowed and I close slip up your hand I want to pray with you today that God will come and bring refreshment to your situation, to whatever you're going through today. Just lift it up. I'll see it. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Many hands. Many hands. You can put them down. Dear God, today, 
We don't have music playing in the background. We're not asking for some emotional thing here. But Father, whichever way each individual needs this today, Father, will you put such a word of faith in their hearts that they can walk out of here today and those watching online knowing he is a God that refreshes. He is a God that breathes again on dead things. And so, Father, today we pray with all our hearts, come, come and breathe. And Father, I prophesy over you breathing over these people. I prophesy over those at home that, Lord, you are reshaping. But not only that, you're refreshing and you are doing a great work of reviving and that we won't see this time as a negative time, but a time that you are at work raising up your army. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, at funerals, we often read, the Lord is my shepherd. You notice it doesn't say the Lord was my shepherd a long time ago. He says the Lord is. That's present. My personal shepherd providing. All I know with everything Sharon and I have gone through, the answers haven't come the way we wanted them. But he's been present with his peace. He's been present with us in a way we could not deny. And his purpose has never been taken from us. I tell you, he's my shepherd. He is my shepherd. You know, we pray our Father which art in heaven. And you know what? We can't say our Father until he's my shepherd. It starts personal and then it becomes ours. Sometimes we want the power in the hour, but the power starts personally. He's our personal shepherd. This is the first stage. Then we go to bones. So that's the stones there in the, in, in the book of Ezekiel. And these are these patterns that I see when I go through the scripture. Stage two is reshape and rebuild. Not only does God revive and refresh us, he reshapes and he rebuilds us. These bones weren't just breathed on, they were put together and shaped as a living body. And you know, the thing I love about God is if I don't believe he can refresh and revive me, I'm probably not going to let him reshape me. It hurts too much. When stuff happens and you go, why is that happening? You know what? If he's refreshed you, he's revived you, then you go, search me, oh God, go for it. Rebuild me. Reshape me. You know, that's what happened with these bones. In 1 Kings chapter 10, there's the story of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit Solomon, who had built this amazing temple. She took three months to get there. That's how far, how long it took to get there. But she'd heard the fame had gone all over the world of this great temple. And when she came, she came because she heard of what had happened. And she came and she saw. I remember when we started our church, I felt God say, will you build a church that people hear? about what God is doing, come and see what God is doing and then receive from what God is doing and be touched by God. And I remember reading this as we planted our church a few years ago and this is going somewhere, it's not a different message, it's part of this message, but she saw a place of answers. She saw a palace of excellence. She saw a people of hospitality. She saw a pattern for team. Do you know how many teams are under attack right now? And God wants to build team. 
We can't be lone rangers. We have to work in team. She saw a posture of integrity and she saw them positioned for worship and the priority of generosity. And she saw all that, 1 Kings chapter 10. And I remember reading this and saying, that's the church we want to build. I believe God's still going to build that church all over. I think the church is going to be more beautiful than it's ever been. Jesus is coming back for a beautiful bride. However, I stumbled across a few chapters earlier, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7, a couple of chapters before. And it says, The stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry, so there was no sound of a hammer, axe or any other iron tool at the building site. Stones speaks to me about God cutting away and reshaping us so there's no noise in our common gathering because he does that in our private world. A lot of people want public blessing, but if we're not letting God cut and shape us in our private world where nobody's looking, at work, at home, in our relationships with our kids, our attitudes, it's in these places that God shapes us. So when we end up in God's church, we're not making too much noise that causes trouble. Can you imagine if you turned up at the temple and one stone was out of place? You look at the temple, you don't notice the temple, you notice the stone that's out of place. But if the stone is rightly fitted, you just see the temple. And I've seen church politics over the years. People get upset about issues. And in my life, those things have been there in serving a church for so many years. The church politics are there, people's issues. People get offended. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. And uh, people get upset. And you know what I've discovered? God has to continually reshape me. He's got to mold me. And one of my life messages right now is we all have a God shape. It doesn't all have to be at church. It could be in the community, in business, whatever. We are all called to minister. We're all ministers, whatever we do. And we have a God shape. But for that God shape not to make noise that's hurtful, it says no noise of a hammer. Our words could be as harsh as a hard hammer. An iron tool. Those things were not heard at the temple site because the stones were pre-cut in the quarry. And you know what? As Christians, we all have times in the quarry. Sometimes we feel dead and dry. Other times we just feel out of shape. We feel, I don't know where I fit. I don't know if that's where I'm meant to be. And you know, God takes us through bones, refresh and revive to stones, reshape and rebuild and you know why he does that because he loves us and he wants us to get to thrones which is the place of dominion God never shakes to hurt he shakes to build and to heal in John chapter 15 there are four stages of fruit it says if you abide in me and I abide in you you bear fruit but then the branch that he loves he prunes for more fruit he doesn't prune to hurt us. He doesn't prune us to make us feel we don't match up with everybody else. He prunes to go to more fruit. Then he says, if my word abides in you, that's the pattern of God's word, then we have much fruit. See, a lot of people 
feel Jesus, but they don't spend time in the word for that word to carry them. You know, do you have an it is written? Do I have an it is written? Jesus is tempted like you wouldn't believe by the devil. What does he say? He doesn't speak in an unknown language and cast him out. He says, it is written. And I think all of us in our lives need to have an it is written. I know all through my life when I felt dry and many times, even recently, you know, you went through the cancer journey, you're fighting for your life and then your eyes play up and then the chemo's done damage and, and you just go from one thing to another and there are times you just can't do this. You feel dry. You feel brittle in that bone stage. But then you come before God and say, Jesus, shape me. Cut away. Do what you've got to do in the quarry, in my back room. You know, um, people can't get to church now. Some of you are at home watching online. But don't get discouraged because you can have church every day. Nine months I couldn't get to church pre-COVID because of cancer. But I had church every day because I allowed him to refresh me, to revive me so he could reshape me and rebuild me so then he could release me to be in dominion which is the stage of throne you see fruit is about personal relationship more fruit is about pruning much fruit is about his pattern working in our lives and lasting fruit is about partnership with jesus i know i no longer call you servants i call you friends you're my team. I want to be in partnership with Jesus, whatever happens, earthquake or no earthquake, whatever happens, COVID or no COVID, all these people on conspiracy theories, is this the mark of the beast? If, this, I, if I spend time on that, I've got no time to allow him to refresh me and to reshape me so he can release me. So I'll keep preaching the good news, the good news of the gospel, and I'm watching people come alive. People who are not Christians. As I've told you before, in this church, I meet with six non-Christian business people on a Friday. And they're freaking out at the moment what's happening in the world. I just find the scripture that I think is appropriate and I say, read it. Read it back to me. Read it. What's it saying to you? And go, oh, wow. You know, these are great days for people that are God's army. If we've allowed him to refresh us. If we've allowed him to reshape us. Then he releases us. And I want to prophesy over this house today. The quarry is where God prepares us to be fruitful. It's the shaping place and it can feel shaky. Forget the earthquake. This stuff can feel shaky. But let me tell you what I wrote yesterday. The shaking is for the shaping. The shaking is for the making. God shakes to heal, not to hurt. He's not mad at us. He wants to mend us. You see, at the end of Hebrews 12, it says that God's going to shake everything that can be shaken. But you've got to read the rest of the verse. So only that which is built on a solid foundation will remain. Now, I haven't got time this morning, but God showed me in chapter 13, seven shakings that were going to come to the earth 20 years ago. And they're all happening right now. And they're all in Hebrews chapter 13. And I'll go, wow, God, you go ahead of us. I remember I used to go walking when I lived at Mount Modbury. Now I run around the block six times and kick it back under the bed. But, you know, I'm sorry, that, you're a bit slow this morning. But uh, it's okay. 
I used to go walking when I lived at Modbury and one day, for about two or three days it happened, this dog would come at me as I'm walking and bark at my heels. And I'm scared of dogs, I've got to be honest. And I'm freaking out. I'm really freaking out. And um, about the third day, I turned around and went, <laughs> and I barked at the dog. And the dog turned around and took off. <laughs> and God said, you've got to bark at your dog. Don't be afraid of the dog. Don't be afraid of the enemy. And then I was ahead of the dog. He was behind me. And I felt God say, you can be one step ahead of the enemy. And you can know what I'm doing, not what the enemy's doing, and be prepared. Now, we used to have a half night of prayer up at Tea Tree Gully, up in the hills, uh, once a month. And we were having this Friday night prayer meeting. And I said to one of the guys, there's a horrible atmosphere in this room and it's not just sleepiness. People are just flat. I want you to start singing that old song, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. You know, and they started to sing and all of a sudden the presence of God came into the room. People started to wake up and I said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I want us to turn towards the Adelaide Hills. And with our hands, I want us to push back the clouds of oppression by faith over our city. And everybody did it. Sunday morning, I was at Paradise in those days. Sunday morning, we're standing at the door as pastors shaking hands with people. And a guy comes running up with a Sunday mail in his hands. 13, 13 witches' covens in the Adelaide Hills praying against the Christian church on the front page of the Sunday Mail. I'd had the experience with the dog and God saying, see, you can be ahead of things. You can be ahead of the enemy. I can prepare you before the enemy even tries to bite you. And Father, this morning, please, Lord, let us grab hold of this and know that we can be ahead of the enemy and no matter what comes, we can be on the throne of dominion bones revive and refresh stones reshape and rebuild thrones are reigning and ruling at the beginning of every new generation in the bible blessing is pronounced not curse right from genesis chapter 1 to adam and eve and all the way through favor fruitfulness multiplication and dominion is prophesied to Noah in chapter 9, to Abraham in chapter 13 of Genesis, in Joshua chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1 when Mary's told, you favoured woman are going to give birth to Jesus, the Saviour of the world. And I am convinced that with all that's happening around us, we are about to move into a new season of favour from God. I'm expecting it. I have faith for it. I can see what it's going to look like. And if we allow God to revive and refresh us individually and corporately as the church, if we allow God to reshape and rebuild us, He will release us into the throne of dominion. We can have dominion. Yeah, let's give God praise for that. I think that's great. So I'm going to finish if the musicians, you know, I notice what songs are sung in a meeting and nearly every song you guys have done this morning, amens what we're talking about here. And so I, I turned, <laughs> I turned to out, I said, I want song number two at the end. And then they did the next song. I said, oh no, hang on a minute, I want that one. So do anyone you want, okay, because they all work. But I want to finish with this as a prophecy over this house and the body of Christ and your life. In the same way you, this is 1 Peter chapter 5, and it says, In the same way you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility. I asked God one day, what's the greatest word for you? If there was one word to describe what you want from us, what is it? 
And I thought he was going to say love, but it was humility. Because without humility, you can't even love. Jesus humbled himself, left heaven to come and love us. And it says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word grace is also used as favour. He gives favour to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will honour you. If we allow bones, stones and thrones, if we allow God to refresh us, if we allow Him to rebuild us, and with humility He can release us, because when you go to the quarry, that's a humbling place. But He puts your eyes on Him. And this is what I want to pray over this church this morning. Father, I pray Your favour of open doors of opportunity over this house. I pray Your favour of an open heaven of provision. I pray, Lord, for the favour of the release of revelation with clarity. I pray, Lord, for the favour of the anointing for supernatural ability. I pray the favour for longevity through loyalty. And we give you thanks that you'll bring honour in due season. Thank you, Jesus. As I close today, let us allow God to take hold of us. As Ezekiel 37 says, Let's allow Him to reposition us and let's see God's favour released in our lives. Just quickly, that's my third closure, but just quickly now. Easy to do, easy to say, probably harder to do. Let's live surrendered. It's that easy, but that hard. But when you live surrendered, God, not my will, but yours be done. When I handed over the church, I didn't know what my future was going to look like, but God told me to do it. But when you live surrendered, you live extended. Live surrendered. Spend time in the Word. People are biblically illiterate today. We've got to get into the Word. And if it's dry, it doesn't matter. Keep at it. Journal. Ask God to speak to you. And the breakthrough will come. It did for me over 30 years ago, and it hasn't stopped. I'm so grateful for the Word of God. That gives me those patterns that I that build my life. And let's stay connected with the right people. Don't hang around negativity. Hang around with people that are going to build you up and that you can talk about the reshaping and the rebuilding and in a positive way. Let's stay connected corporately as a church, but even in our friendships. You know, the older I get, the more I value the right friendships. When you're young, you want to make it my personality. I want to love everybody and be with everybody. But as I get older, I think, God, I need people that can say, no, Danny, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. I need friends like that. You do. So let's stay connected. Stay in the Word and live surrendered. And we will go from bones to stones to thrones many times in our life. Don't be embarrassed if you feel dry at times. It's life. It happens. But you don't have to stay there hope that helps today. I just wanted to share my heart in that area with you and I pray it's a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Maybe we'll sing a song, eh?